Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Johara Tundok and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. You're very welcome to Late Lunch. This, um, well, I, well I, I'm blown the heads he is there when I sort myself out. Now, how is that? That's an awful lot better there. Anyway, welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. I pose a question to you. You know, and you've seen it in the news and they're going to drop to the letterboxes. You're going to get them online. Our energy bills, whether you're paying for gas, electricity, we're paying for fuel at the pumps, whatever it is, is rising and going to continue to rise because there is an energy crisis in Ireland and now in the world. And, you know, we are moving towards renewables in a big, big way in the country. But consider this, this last year in Ireland and especially from spring through to this time of the year, there's been little wind to uh, turn those big uh, turbines that are all over the place. So there's a deficit there for start. So depending on the wind to blow, the sun to shine, etc. Well, there's a lot of thinking going on behind the scenes. And one group I become very interested in, they're called 18 for Zero. And Dennis Duff, he's a chartered engineer with global experience in electrical utilities and electricity trading system, including wind energy, gas and oil fire thermal and combined cycle power plants he's into all of this stuff is a member of this group here in ireland and he joins me on the line hello dennis hello jerry thanks for joining me on the show today because i'm really curious and interested about this maybe you'd lay your cards on the table for a moment 18 to 0 what's your agenda well, our agenda is quite simple. Um, we're an Irish group of volunteers with experience in energy and related fields. And we just know from our experience that the Ireland's low carbon energy policy isn't credibly able to produce reliable and affordable energy as we go forward into the 2030s. And we think that, uh, well, we would like to live in a country where we have access to plentiful, reliable and affordable energy and uh, for ourselves and our children. And we think that nuclear energy, where we go abroad to France and Spain and America and we see them operating there very safely, we think that Ireland should look at nuclear energy here to see whether it could do anything for us. And that's our agenda, is to have the government look at nuclear. As simple as that, would you please just look at it? But the current policy, it's against the law to uh, to put in a nuclear plant in Ireland. It's not against the law to use nuclear energy. And as a result, the government just refused to have anything to do with it, refused to look. So we'll never know whether nuclear could be better for us than without nuclear. That's as simple as that, Jerry. Now, 
you mentioned other countries there, but just across that little stretch of water called the Irish Sea, nuclear is part and parcel of the United Kingdom. That's exactly right. And they have been trying the same as us to turn themselves into various terms, including the Saudi Arabia of wind and all that kind of stuff, which, I mean, it's, it's, it's good. Renewable energy is good and it has its place in the future. But they realise, the same as everybody, as most advanced countries, that uh, renewables on their own won't do it. And even if you get kind of a lot of your energy from renewable energy, what about the time when you, as you mentioned, when the wind isn't blowing, what do you do? So Britain is now building two new nuclear plants at the moment. They have another two on the drawing board. And I heard last week that they are looking at building another 16. Now, if they decided to build one in Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom at this point in time, should there be a nuclear plant on this island that we live on anyway? Well, that's exactly right. Yes, nuclear isn't against the law in in Northern Ireland because it's part of the UK. Now, you you can't just come along and just simply uh, plug in a nuclear plant. You you need to get the approval of the people in the area. There needs needs to be um, good good support for it. It needs to go through all the planning process, etc. Which, yeah, Northern Ireland would be a very good location for for a nuclear plant, we think, if if it was able to to satisfy all the planning and licensing requirements. But here's the thing, you're not talking about nuclear plants on the scale, you know, they're huge facilities, massive, the amount of concrete that has to go into them, the buildings, everything else associated with it. This is a different style nuclear plant. If you could say a mini nuclear plant you're talking about, is it? Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, um, the, the two plants that they're building in England are really large and they're far too big for the Irish uh, for the Irish market. But what's happening is, and this is the secret to it, Jerry, is that uh, the Americans and the Canadians and others, including the Chinese and the Russians, are all building small reactors for small countries because they all want to have part of the clean energy revolution that's taking place, um, rightly so, around the world. So um, we're talking about reactors that are no bigger than uh, power stations that exist at the moment in Ireland. So, and they could, do you know what the secret to it is? The secret is that they can be placed on the sites of existing fossil fuel stations and use all their infrastructure, all their electrical infrastructure. There's no need for new overhead lines that are so vital to the renewable energy transition, but are just being impossible, they're finding it impossible to build. So it's, it's, there's going to be a lot of problems with uh, with the nuclear solution, but there's going to be a lot of benefits to it. So you're saying that Money Point in Clare, the coal one, Eden Derry, which has been run down the peat at the moment, you have Huntsdown, of course, in County Dublin, the gas generation. Those plants of that size could accommodate this mini nuclear power production unit. Oh, they could, yes. Um, so obviously subject to the full rigours of the, yes. uh, the planning and, 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 and licensing. But it's interesting you should mention Money Point in County Clare because when ESB was planning on building reactors back in the 1970s, Money Point was one of the sites that was identified as being suitable for even the big nuclear plants at that stage. Uh, there, are, there are four other sites that were proposed as well. Um, but the small reactors, with the learning that's gone on in the meantime since the 1970s, small reactors can fit in probably almost any uh, fossil fuel site that exists in Ireland at the moment, you probably wouldn't proceed with with, 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 with many of them because you'd have to uh, get environmental licensing and, and, and local approval. But technically, they are probably all suitable. So what are the pros in your book of going nuclear in Ireland and building one or two of these mini stations? What are the benefits? Yeah, well, I actually wrote them down uh, ju- uh, just before the call. And 
we're, we're spurred on by the idea and by knowing it's the research that shows that we are not on track to achieving a zero carbon society. Uh, the 100% renewable energy plan is not at all likely to be achieved by the by the mid 30s, even the mid 40s, or possibly not even the mid 50s. Um, and what I wrote down, it actually, it's actually quite surprising. Nuclear, we find, is actually better from a cost point of view. It produces lower emissions. It uses less materials and less mined materials. It uses less land, has a better waste management system, doesn't have any need for new transmission lines. It's more certain, more reliable, and gives us more energy security than a solution that, it, that, that ignores nuclear. <laughs> it's an extraordinary list of benefits. It is. There's, there's a lot, and there are a lot of positives there. The listeners today are saying uh, they're all expecting these bills, as I mentioned at the start, to arrive soon. And you're going to see the increase. This is going to bite and going to get, uh, you know, it's inflation, etc. It's going to become higher over time. Would, would electricity be cheaper if we had a nuclear capacity? Well, there's no doubt, Jerry. I think you've mentioned it a few times that energy prices are, uh, are rising and we think they're going to continue to rise. That's our study um, shows that. It also, we also know that the, that the emissions are not likely to fall as, as are, are projected. So nuclear could not be put into Ireland before, say, 12 years is probably mm. the, a, a reasonable estimate. But I think we can see that the way things are going at the moment with the increasing prices, with the uh, talks about power cuts and the energy unreliability, that we think is possibly only going to get worse as time goes on. And if we want to have a 2030 and into, into 2040 where we have reliable, affordable, clean energy, we must start planning for nuclear now. And that means getting rid of the inane nuclear ban that exists at the moment. Would you continue with the development of renewables in parallel with this? Yes, I don't think we have any choice. Um, we have signed up for our climate commitments and at the moment there's no nuclear availability in, in Ireland. It won't be here, as I said, for 12 years. So we have no choice but to proceed with the best of the renewables sites that, that, are, that are available. And that includes wind, it includes solar, and it includes anything we can get our hands on that are going to help us to meet our emissions targets. But we must be conscious that the current plan does not look as if it can credibly produce reliable energy from the 2030s on reliable, clean energy at any kind of an affordable price. So we really must look at alternatives. And the current policy of just purely putting our head in the sand and ignoring nuclear is not going to cut it, in our view. Am I right in saying that we could be crippled in this country by uh, others because of our dependence on importing oil and gas? I think that's possibly overstating it. I I know why you might uh, 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 posit that question, all right. But I think... The electricity system is run in Ireland by Airgrid, who are a really good transmission system operator and have every confidence that between themselves and the Commission for our Regulation of Utilities that they will manage to continue to keep the power flowing in Ireland. Um, it's the, 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 the talk of this year about we need emergency generation one week and then the next week we don't need emergency generation whereby one week they're saying that 70% renewables for 2030 would be really difficult. And the following week they come out and say, well, actually, we're going to go for 80%. Um, data centres, we can build them, we can't build them. All that uncertainty doesn't help. Mm. But I really feel that even if we have to miss our emissions targets, we I would hope anyway that we can keep the lights on. It is only a hope. I think if we continue to, uh, to, to depend on gas, natural gas, which is a dirty fossil fuel, to support renewables while telling the gas companies and the gas the people who build gas plants that we don't want you we're going to shut you down as soon as you build that is not encouraging construction 
and that's a, it's I think it's a really dangerous policy. So it's possible we could have power cuts, but I would hope that we wouldn't feature into there. But I'm not sure hope is good enough, really. Mm. I think we have to guarantee these things. Now, you made the list of pros. I have a list of cons here that I'm going to put to you, and maybe you've done your own list there. But things that cross my mind, and I'm sure the anti-nuclear lobby, which is substantial and people listening today would have concerns. Some of the concerns I'm thinking of, the danger to life from an accident, and we saw what happened at Chernobyl, from a terrorist attack perhaps on a plant as well. Dealing with the residuals. You know that you talk about lifetimes upon lifetimes. And, you know, you're going to face this opposition you remember we have an incinerator not far from where i sit today and the row there was before that incinerator was built and now there's another one coming in ireland perhaps two or three more but it's the nimby syndrome not in my backyard you know nobody will want these plants there's some of the issues that have come to mind uh, to me how do you respond to those yeah, there's uh, quite a lot of the issues, all right, uh, Jerry, and, and, and uh, as you might expect, I, I, I have thought of them. Uh, the, the first point you mentioned was on the on danger. Well, we we do understand that there's a danger from climate change as it is at the moment, from from rising emissions, not just from its impact on global temperatures, but on air emissions, which has I understand from people who know more about this than I do, that 1,200 people per annum die in Ireland because of air emissions, mm. and nuclear doesn't have any emissions to air. So there's a danger there that nuclear can actually over help overcome and the point you mentioned last about nobody wants it in your backyard I I would ask you can can you tell me anything that people want in their backyard I know I know I know you don't have to tell me Dennis it's just you know but it it is a point with this if you're going to build but come back to the danger come back to the the lifespan of the of the core of the nuclear reactor and the danger from accident or terrorist attack Yes, okay. But anyway, just to sum that, that nuclear is hard, but every solution that's going to work is hard. If somebody tells you there's a simple solution, they're wrong. Uh, that's good. Mm. Now, when you talk about nuclear, okay, it lasts, we know it lasts for hundreds of thousands of years. But if I pointed out something else that was toxic to you, say mercury or cadmium or something like that, how long does that last? It lasts forever. Mm. It never goes away. Mm. So at least radioactivity on its plus side, the very fact that that's radioactive means it's breaking down into something else, which is hopefully going to be safer. So and the other thing about nuclear waste as well is that there is so little involved in it compared to the amount of materials that's used for any other energy source. Uh, and all the nuclear waste ever since nuclear energy ever came into being has, has been kept and stored. We know exactly where it is. We have managed it. It has never harmed anybody, it's never killed anybody, never injured anybody. So it's actually one of the major selling points of nuclear, although paradoxically, it's probably the one that most people point to as a big, it's an unsolved problem. Mm. So what do you do with the waste? After you've run your nuclear power station, you take the spent fuel, which is very radioactive and hot, and you cool it down for about 10 years in a, in a, a large pool, like a swimming pool. Then once the temperature drops uh, has become more manageable you transfer that fuel into engineered metal casks and keep it in a room where it's locked up where it's minded and where it's safe from people and the incredible part of it is that if ireland was to get all its electricity from nuclear energy we could fit all the waste from that whole system into a building the size of the national basketball arena in tala and the I, quantities are tiny. Yeah, and, so, and I, I'm, I, that gives a good perspective. People can understand the size of that building. So look at um, your group, 18 for Zero. It's a voluntary group. There are many professionals involved. You're talking to people I know in government and others as well. Last question and a quick answer, please. Do you believe that this could be back on the agenda? 
it is already back on the agenda. And one of the reasons, Jerry, we're very quick about this is saying that after Titanic happened, people said, oh, I'm never getting in a boat again. But the engineers learned the lesson from Titanic. They've also learned the lesson from Chernobyl. And we're not talking about putting in a Chernobyl-type plant, which was never built anywhere again. We learned the lessons and we moved on. But believe it, nuclear energy is back on the agenda. And the, the sooner the government starts to, to, to realise and takes... Uh, takes charge of that, the better for everybody concerned because nobody likes a vacuum. Vacuums get filled by all kinds of things. Dennis, uh, I'm going to leave it there for the day, but I will be back to you, I promise. Uh, It is food for thought and it is a discussion that has to be had and I wish you well with your group. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. Anytime. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Dennis Duff there. What do you think? Nuclear energy. Is it a runner? Would you consider it? Are you diametrically opposed? If you have anything to say, let me know. 86 658 by WhatsApp or text. This is Irish Music Month on LMFM Radio and we are proud to support Irish Music Month in conjunction with Hot Press, the BAI Sound and Vision Fund and XL Retail offering a great deal more at your local XL Retail store. And I am uh, dedicating this month to Irish music uh, through my Artists of the Week. They'll all be Irish artists this month, the month of October here on Late Lunch on LMF And I want to feature guests of mine on the show in the recent past and perhaps a little further back who are Irish artists and have performed for me and you on this show. And today, well, remember during the lockdown, yes, the wonderful Jimmy Smith from Navin and Carrie O'Sullivan, Carrie from uh, Kerry Liaise. They never got together. They recorded beautiful cover versions of songs her down south of the country, Jimmy in his studio here in Navin, and produced a wonderful album. Well, today I want to play and remind you of Jimmy and Carrie because here they are with the cover of the Elton classic, Rocket Man. She packed my bags last night pre-flight Zero hours, 9am And I'm gonna be high As a kite by then I miss the earth so much I miss my wife It's lonely out in space On such a tide And I think it's gonna be a long, long time Till touchdown brings me round again to find Another man they think I am at home Oh, no, no, no I'm a rocket man Rocket man Burning out his fuse up here alone It's gonna be a long, long time Till touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home Oh no, no, no I'm a rocket man Rocket man Burning out his fuse up here 
now, let me remind you that live entertainment is on the way back. A few things happening in the immediate future. Michael English plays the Carrickdale Hotel on Sunday the 31st of October and tickets for the show are available on michaelenglish.ie or from the Carrickdale Hotel directly. Uh, And I'm hoping to catch up with Michael before that concert myself here on Late Lunch. And uh, also, the 2021 Puka Festival takes place in venues across the northeast from October the 23rd to the 31st and features performances from Jerry Fish, Aoife Scott and many more. And there's more information there on Puka Festival. That's P-U-C-A Festival dot com is the address there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now... I know in Late Lunchland, we've spoken a bit about this many times over the years, and I've received your messages to me on occasions when it's raised its head, when we've been talking about loved ones who've passed away. And I'm a firm believer in it as well myself, I have to say. The robin. Robin redbreast in your garden. They say when robins appear, loved ones are near. I do believe in that and I love to see the robin beside me when I'm out working in my garden and I know many of you do too and at times there are real coincidences when the robin arrives with links to loved ones who've passed on. Well, I want to tell you there's an absolutely beautiful new book just come out recently. It's called A Robin's Tale and its author is Noelle Rock and Noelle holds a degree in psychology she's a mother of two and she's based in Longford there in the Midlands and she wrote this book with the aim of helping parents discuss the topic of death it's not easy with young children and I'm delighted to say she's with me on late lunch hello Noelle Hi Jerry. how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining us on the show today. May I congratulate you on incorporating the robin into this lovely book. It's simply gorgeous. The illustrations, the poetry, the writing. Well done to you, may I say first. Oh, thank you so much. It's lovely to have kind feedback. Not at all. Not at all. It's thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. Talk to me about this, That what I mentioned there a moment ago. You know, parents discussing death with children and a lot of parents and I know in my time when mine were younger God I I, at times I regret this when death dawned on us I really kept it away from them do you know what I'm talking about Noelle? I do I do I think it's a cultural thing I remember growing up and attending funerals and seeing a body and you know being at wakes and not really understanding what's going on um, I think nowadays there's such a culture of, you know, talking to our children and including them and understanding that they're little people with feelings and emotions. Um, my father passed away very suddenly in 2016 um, and it was a huge loss to our family. Um, and as adults, we were all grieving and found it overwhelming. Um, and I was just conscious that for my daughter at the time, who was very young and very attached to him, that it was just so huge and so overwhelming. Um, so the robin, I suppose, symbol that's just very traditional and very Irish and that a robin is near um, is something that just we used to always talk about. Um, and it became a story that we would recount and talk to her with. Um, so that's kind of where the book has started, I suppose. Mm, isn't that just lovely? And that bond between grandchildren and grandparents is a very special one. I'm I'm living it myself, I have to tell you, at the moment. Uh, and it's unbelievable. But can I ask you this? You know, in your dad's situation, did you broach the subject beforehand? 
No, my father was with us on a Friday and he was gone on a oh, Saturday morning. Suddenly. Um, so very suddenly. We were with him on the Friday. We had lived in, my husband is from London and we had lived in London for a long time and we had come home for maternity leave for my little son. Um, so we had spent really nice time and kind of rebonded as adults with my parents and their first grandchild. Um, and like that, we were with him on the Friday evening and he had a heart attack and he was gone very suddenly mm. from everybody on uh, Saturday morning. Um, so I think we were all so overwhelmed by it that it became really important. It's something maybe that we talked about so much that I was conscious that my my little girl at the time, we weren't explaining it mm. um, and how would she understand it. Mm. So I suppose I did a lot of looking around at how you, you speak about death and grief with young children. Um, and we kind of went from there. Um, I suppose the premise very much for us and for us as parents in everything we do with our kids is just to be as honest as we can and encourage their questions. Mm. Um, and that's that's how we've approached it. So, you know, that's a scenario, a shock to everybody and it, just a sudden end to a life that you don't expect and then you have to take it up from there. Just roll back a bit. What about somebody who knows that passing may be imminent, that there's, you know, time is limited or that? What about that scenario? Approaching that again, mm. honestly opening up, opening the conversation up? I suppose we've had my father's um, younger brother has just passed away. He found out he had cancer just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was a, it was a very short period that he had um, from knowing that he was sick with cancer. Um, and my children had a lot of questions around it. And I suppose um, we did speak about it and we tried to be really, really honest again. And we tried to answer their questions Um so when we were talking about my uncle getting sick, we were very um, we were very conscious of telling him or telling them his body has got sick and his body has stopped working and he is going to die. Um, naming death was really, really important. Um, from that, I suppose what we found with the kids that we had so many questions. Um, they were constantly repeating the same questions. Um, we had some little outbursts and we had a lot of things like, will I die? And again, we just tried to be very clear and very simple with our answers and say, everybody, everything that lives will die. But hopefully nobody will die for a very, very long time. You're very young. I got a lot. Will you die, mommy? Um, and, you know, we said again, everybody that is born and lives will die. Um but there'll always be somebody to take care of you. So it was it was really seeing how they're feeling um, and letting them know how you feel as well. Mm. I think it was is really, really important. We had done a lot of work with our kids and um, we used the story, The Robin's Tale. We before it became a book, we used to talk about my father very much around um, you know, he's still with us in memory. We believe that he has gone somewhere and he's watching over us. And we did a lot of discussion around what other people believe. But we found um, with the kids when they were little that asking a direct question to them, um, that they find it very, very hard to answer that. Because I suppose the age of my children, um, they really didn't have the cognitive capacity to be able to articulate mm. and feel their feelings and their emotions. So using the story then 
um, I suppose, how we approached it where we use the robin. But if you tell a story about an animal who has um, maybe lost his mother, um, a child is able to identify with that animal and how they feel. And it, it stimulates conversation. And then you can answer the questions how you feel is right for your family. Mm. It's a brilliant concept. I say this to you again because you're right. Children love the stories and this eases them them into it. You, you talk about this be- book being appropriate from, for uh, young readers from three years of age and up, yes? Yeah. Well, my, my little boy is five and we've been kind of reading this book and, you know, telling this story. Um, just it's something it's something we incorporate in our family anyway. It's the one thing that we held true to as parents. We had great aspirations for everything. But every night that we can, we read a story. Um, just because it's such a good tool to encourage questions from your kids and see how they're feeling and sound them out and give them the give them a tool that they can can talk to you. Um, but um, my son is five now, um, and he identifies. You know that the robin. It, we've always had a robin in the garden, as so many people have as well since my father is gone. You know, it's there on every happy occasion and it just appears, seems to appear when you need a bit of yes. reassurance, yes. feeling a bit sad, you know. So we believe in that. I've explained to the kids in that we like to think that that's Poppy Tom coming to visit us. You know, that's what we believe, but everybody believes different things. Mm. You know, we believe he watches over us, um, different people. I think a story helps with kind of cultural knowledge as well for kids. So they, they hear different people's ideas and realities as well but my son my three or my five-year-old he he would say there's poppy tom there's the robin he's looking after us now we brought him to my uncle's funeral um my five-year-old had had at the time or my daughter at the time of my father's death had had gone in and, and seen him in the coffin and you know that's what we felt was right for her but now that she's a little bit older we asked her would she like to go in and see my uncle's body, that that was up to her and that he had died and that his soul had left his body. Um, and she said she would. So we brought her in and she kind of, she, you know, said her little prayer and, and came out. But I had decided not to bring in my five-year-old. Um, and then he asked when we'd come back from, from the room, he asked where we had been. And my daughter, of course, said, we've been in to see Uncle Noel. Um, and he said, oh, well, I want to go in and I want to see. We had explained to him that he had died and he'd been very sick. Um, and he said he wants to see the body. So I decided in that moment that if this is something, you know, he he's heard about death and he's we've had a few losses over the last few years, um, that if that's what he wants to do. So we brought him in. I think this is something that's very subjective to what parents feel is right for their child. Um and I'll never forget the image. My cousin who had lost his father was standing there and my older brother and my little son went in in the middle of the two of them and he just looking for a minute and then he, he tapped my cousin on the shoulder and he said, I'm very sad that Uncle Noel has died. And he said, oh, why are you sad? And he said, because he's gone and he's not here for anyone to talk to. But I'm kind of happy as well because he was sick and his body wasn't working. And now he'll be in he'll be in heaven with Poppy Tom. That's what he understood from us. And just like that, he said, step back. And my brother said, oh, isn't that really lovely? Um, 
which I was, you know, saying, oh, gosh, he does, you know, he has an understanding. He is comfortable because we've spoken around this topic because of this book over the years. Um, but just as we we're leaving, and then he said, and then do you know what happens? His body starts to turn into a skeleton and they they dig it um they dig a grave into his in the ground and the coffin goes so then I had to move him swiftly away there was too much detail for my cousin at the time but his lack of fear and his understanding and his acceptance of this being part of life made me feel very comfortable and very happy as a parent that we're giving him the tools as best as we can by opening this topic of conversation yes. and by trying to and I suppose using a story as a metaphor mm. um because it helped to bring around maybe that healing and their change with them it, it clarified their thoughts with greater ease um and it just in that moment I felt as a parent it was it, you know it, it obviously had benefited them over yes. the course of a couple of years you know I have never heard anyone uh, explain and tell the story like you just have. It's simply brilliant. I've been hanging on every word you've said there. And the great thing is that you've incorporated something that has worked for you and your family into this brilliant new book. Could you read me a little extract? Have you got it beside you there just to read maybe a little short piece from one of the poems or a short poem or whatever? Would you please? I can. I can read the first page or two if you want. Yes, please. Um So a robin in the branch of a tree looks around. There's so much to see below on the ground. He has come past his house with a purpose, a plan to visit the people he had known as a man. Is that enough? Go on, go on. (laughs) He had passed from his life and it pulled at his heart the pain of his loved ones from whom he must part. But it was time for goodbye and his spirit had flown. He had left for that journey. We must travel alone. Uh-huh. But now in that piece, <laughs> but now in that piece that he knows as an angel, he arrives back as a guardian because he is able. I love it. I truly love it. I think you just have something special here, and you've created something really special, Noel. You have honestly, and uh, I think this is going to be of huge help to so so many people, and uh, through time and I that. I have a very good um, friend who is a psychotherapist um, and she just gave me feedback on the book and she said that the, you know, that it's just something as well for adults as well that just brings comfort. Mm -hmm. And I suppose how I see it for myself and my family and it being out now in the the greater kind of (laughs) the greater world is that it's just a tool. It's a story with metaphors that you can speak and to your child about what you believe and what mm. you feel. It just stimulates that conversation and it gives a tool to, to do that. Yeah. Um, and it's important to talk. It certainly is. And to talk honestly and openly and assess your child as you have done with yours in the moment and in the situation. But this does brilliant, I have to say. The book is called A Robin's Tale. It's by Noel Rock. And uh, you can get a copy of it in bookshop. It's all around the place at the moment or online. It's published by Curruck Books and they're Curruck, the Curruck, you know the boat, CurruckBooks.com. CurruckBooks.com. It's there if you uh, are interested in picking up a copy. Simply brilliant, may I say, young woman. 
Thank you very much. Thank you for taking time to talk to me. Not at all. You're fantastic. Thanks for joining us on the show. Have a nice afternoon. Isn't she just great? Yes, that's Noel Rock there. And A Robin's Tale is the name of the book. I love the Robin. Do you? Do you think of somebody when you see the Robin? Louise, will I tell you, I was out for a meal with some really good friends last Thursday evening. Came home, wasn't late, we're home about 10 o'clock. I was watching the news there, made a cup of tea. And I got up the next morning. Louise, I can't find my glasses anywhere. Uh, and I have the very focals, you know, the ones that are split in the middle, you know, up and down the lens, one for distance and the other part of the lens for reading. Gone, Louise. Did you leave them in the restaurant? No, no, because uh, because I came home and watched television and I wouldn't, I I sit a distance away, I wouldn't be able to watch the telly, you know, without them on. So I had them on. I'm sure, no, I didn't leave them in the car or the restaurant. I put them somewhere. I cannot find them. Usually I'd have them beside me when I woke up the next morning or that or perhaps downstairs. I can't. Did you ever leave anything? This happened to you before. Did it? Yeah. You lost something. I can't remember what it was and you found it like... Weeks later. Oh, look, this is just now driving me scatty. I, I, did you? Did that ever happen to you, though, that you just lost and never found it again? Something or like glasses. Lost for years or something. I but keep saying to you, be. I need this thing that goes round me neck and attaches the glasses. Do you know that thing? Necklace kind of thing. Yeah, and you say to me, never Gorge. get that, never get that. <laughs> Louise won't let me get that. She said, no, you're not getting that. Anyway, who do I pray to? What's the saint that you pray to if you lose something? Is it St. Anthony? St. Anthony, yeah. Is it Anthony? Mm. Anthony. But you have to promise them money, seemingly. Oh, do you? I don't know. That's just what they say. Okay. Well, if they say, sure, I'll promise them a few bob anyway. There's no bother with that, Anthony. I'll, ants, ants, I'll, I'll give you a few pounds. There's no bother there. But, Louise, it's a mystery. Actually, I thought Miriam took them to work. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you she brought me phone to work one day? <laughs> she took my phone and went to work. Jeez, oh, there was ructions. And when I went up to collect her offer, who was at fault? Me! Of course, it was your fault. I was blamed. Yeah. Anyway, she hasn't the glasses. I can't find them anywhere. I don't know where You've the got a hell spare they're pair, gone. Though, didn't you? Oh, I have it. Look, I had a spare pair. <laughs> Look here, I have them. How are you one. driving? How would I be driving around? Think, but I love those pair of glasses. And I, do you think they'll show up? Yeah. Will they? They have to show up. Will are they? Are they very thin rimmed or thin? Like... Yeah, the thin little black okay. glass and that whatever. And they are the split lenses. You know what I mean? Uh, very focals. I think they're bifocals or whatever they call them. Anyway, you probably um, put them in the fridge or something. Jeez, I never looked there. I must look. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. Good woman. Or maybe I put them in the car. Yeah, the fridge. I'll have to look there. I don't know where I put them. Oh, the God Almighty. You know, it's just a mess. Anyway, hopefully they will turn up. Anthony, there's a few bob on the way to you. Help me, please. Uh, anyway. Your eyes, actually, I thought it might be the glasses, but your eyes look a bit puffy today. They are, Louise. Are you crying? It's probably after you the few, it's probably after the Wednesday club last <laughs> night. We were celebrating the award again. <laughs> Any excuse with the boys? Yeah. Why right. do you say my eyes are puffy? I'd say you probably cried yourself to sleep last night. Why? Well, you know, she was in the UK. She was that little oh. bit beside you, but now she's gone back to. I Australia. know. I she's know. Completely out of reach. You devil, yeah. Kylie, yes, Kylie and Nancy. She's leaving London and she's moving back to Australia to our family. After 30 years of living in the 30 UK. 30 years, yeah, mm-hmm. living in the UK. She's up in sticks and going, and what about the Querfella? Is he going with her? Do you, no. did you hear anything about that? No. no. Paul Solomon, her boyfriend. He's no. staying, is He's he? He's staying. They're going to have a long distance relationship, Jerry. Doesn't work. How do you know? Doesn't work. Doesn't. I, I, I just look at take, take it from Enfield me. Enfield and Drogheda doesn't count. <laughs> A Navin and a dog. <laughs> <laughs> do you think long distance relationships actually work? I'm sure they probably do. If the people really want them to. 
Anyone out there with a long-distance relationship? I got married after having a long-distance relationship. I wonder, is there anybody? Ah, it doesn't work. Or is there anyone in a long-distance? Sure, on that bloody social media thing now, you could be going out with anyone. Anywhere over Facebook or Instagram. You know what I mean? It could happen. happen. Long distance love. Anyone a big fan of it? Did it happen for you? Have you anything to say? And if you do, always let us know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text us. 1850-715-958 if you'd like to call in. Seemingly, Kylie said that, uh, you know, touring again she was asked about and she said keep your disco outfit not too far away not at the back of the cupboard so go on tell us have you a disco outfit well I get me disco pants on (laughs) woo do you remember in the gold pants do you remember them (laughs) oh jeepers stop I'm really getting excited today thinking about oh she's going to tour again is she yes well that's what she said there you go Mm. and with a disco theme as well you'll have to get out those uh, anyway what did you say you had glitter pants (laughs) (laughs) shh shh Say nothing. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> Can you picture it? That'd be a nightmare for sure. Anyway, um, you think I'm a little bit puffy? Do you think I was yeah, shedding on. a tear last night? I'd do say you? you had uh, well. <laughs> this will say it all, won't it? But I'd say you drowned in your tears. Uh, Kylie, Kylie, stay! Don't go, Kylie. See ya, Kylie. <laughs> stay close, please. Kylie Minogue. And there were tears on my pillow last night when I heard she was going to Australia. I have my tickets booked with Qantas. <laughs> Time me kangaroo dance sport. Anyway, they're really concerned about my glasses in late lunch land. Mina's been on to say, Jerry, go round your house saying Mary's eyes, Mary's eyes, Mary's eyes, and you'll find them, says Mina. That's a, that must be uh, something that worked there. Jerry says Helen and Trim this afternoon, I'm interceding with St. Anthony. He rarely fails me. You'll get them, I promise, says Helen. Oh, people's faith. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Thank you for all the uh, suggestions. And please, God, those specs will come back to me. Moving on a late lunch, short break on the way. And afterwards, we're going to catch up. Well, she's a live wire. She's a wonderful woman. She kicked the hooch back in 2019 and she hasn't taken a drop since. We've been talking to her on and off and during lockdown as well. Sue Masterson joins us on Late Lunch next. Jackie Hannerty, hello to you. Thanks for the lovely message. Jackie says, Jerry Louise, congrats again on your gold award at the Radio Awards. The two of you are like Markham and Wise. Bring me sunshine and keep up the good work. I love it. I love it. That's a lovely comparison. That's a real compliment, Jackie. Thank you indeed for getting in touch with us. Now, I spoke to my next guest for the first time. We were into lockdown, May 2020, and we copped on that this woman had done something a year previously she decided to give up alcohol completely and we've spoken on a number of occasions since and it is time for a catch up with her the day she gave up the hooch was the 11th of May 2019 and Sue Masterson by my estimation that is 879 days today am I right am I right with the maths 
You're not. It's 880 days. Oh, I'm a day out. Oh. A day out. Do you know what it was? I t- could it have been? It could have been because of the leap year. Perhaps. 880 days. Oh, well, look at you. are so kind. I'll say it was the leap year. Anyway. 880 yes. days. Yes. Alcohol-free in the name of St. Christopher. It is some amount of time. And look, at we've talked about this before. You've never had it in England for it since. No, not since. At the, at the beginning, I think it was around day 40 to 45 um, that I was kind of like, oh my God, I'd like a drink. And then I was like, no, you don't want one. And since then, oh, not at all. Do you know what, Jerry? I've gained far too much by giving up the alcohol and I wouldn't go back there. I've gained far too much. And you've also given up, you told me before, I know this, you've gave up, given up takeaways as well. And my Louise said to me, what does that young one do for a treat? For, for a treat? Um, good question. Um, I do, I, I like to have chocolate. That's my kind of treat. But at weekends, I'd have good old um, Maltesers would be my treat. Oh, yeah. you can't. You know what I love? Hot cup of scald and a Malteser. Put it oh, into your steady. mouth. Let it melt with the hot tea. Yes. Oh. I'll bite the chocolate off first and yes. then let the biscuit melt. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Two uh, more sleeps than I can have them. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you do have your treat. So you love the old chocky wocky. Do that. Listen yes. to me. I'd be keeping an eye on you. Those morning walks, those pictures you posted yesterday, they're beautiful. Oh, aren't they fed the sky yesterday mm. was incredible I go out walking every morning um, usually between kind of 7 to 8 so you get the sunrise but the sky yesterday was just incredible everybody I meet walking we were all stopped taking photos oh, it was just beautiful yesterday and you know you mentioned those people I know you have regulars that you meet that lady on the bike as well you oh, know yeah and you know what? Later that day, when I was walking back down after taking the photos, because she had passed me, and she always she's in her seventies, and she every morning she passes me going down the canal, and she'll go good morning, and then as she passes me again, she'll go have a good one, <laughs> and uh, so now I, I introduce myself to her. So that's Angela, and she's a lady, but every morning she's out cycling up and down the canal. Now you live in Edenderry, and of course the canal yeah. is beautiful there, and you have lovely walkways. I want to ask you this. There's Angela for an example. An example of somebody who is friendly and acknowledges you. Are most people like that that they'll put up their heads and say hello? Yeah, big time. Yeah, the difference between here and where I lived when I was living in Dublin is massive. Everybody said hello to each other. Mm. And I think that's a nice thing to retain because you're right, in urban areas, and we have big urban areas here in the northeast, Navin, Dundalk, Drogheda, I'm in the town here myself, a lot of people just pass you by. They wouldn't bid you the time of day. I'm sure I'll say hello to anybody who listens to me. <laughs> but you know what it is? It's being polite and smiling. And just, if you say hello and give somebody a smile, you don't know, you could easily change their day. I've heard that so many times. Mm. But just a simple hello and a smile. And you know what? It costs nothing. So yes. I'm always smiling and saying hello. You, a uh, little birdie tells me as well, have returned to the office for the first time since February 2020. And is yes. it true to say that people are astounded by Sue Masterson? <laughs> 
they're, uh, I look a little bit different because I've lost uh, a bit of weight this year as well and I've really worked on my physical health up till then I've like I, I always look after my mental health but uh, yeah people were and I think people were surprised I was telling them about coming on to talk to Jerry the legend the award winning show the late show and um, I was uh, telling them more about what I did because they didn't know about like I have my Miss Positively Positive page yeah. and people didn't know why I set that off and all that kind of stuff so it was yeah I think a couple of people in the office who may be listening in and the company is stacked who are super at mm. their managed print and office supplies just getting it in there <laughs> and I could be a rep up and loud just to let you know but anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> I never miss an opportunity but um, I think that yeah they were kind of surprised but, uh, yeah I think they were surprised um, by me but it was great being up in the office it's so good to see everybody again because we'd only seen each other on Zoom mm. but I was walking in as if I was a model Jerry <laughs> <laughs> like check well, me out <laughs> well I tell you one thing uh, I wouldn't deny that you have uh, you you have the looks you have the features <laughs> you have the personality so I think you're the whole package to be honest with you yeah but, and I'm single Jerry what's oh, the story <laughs> God almighty am I in the wrong of matchmaker here today. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, could you imagine? That would be so funny. Oh, boys, oh, boys. Follow this woman, <laughs> Sue Masterson, on social media and you'll see what I'm talking about, I promise you. Anyway, fingers crossed on that one. Tell me this, oh. you know, you mentioned the Miss Positively Positive and now you yeah. have this whole physical transformation. Do you believe the physical uh, transformation, again, underpins and has helped in the in the mental health area? Um, yes, it does. Because when I, I actually did a video on Miss Positive Positive the other night, it was Monday night, I'd had a tough day and I no more wanted to go to the gym, which is unusual because I go five days a week and mm. I love it. Because the feeling that you get afterwards, it's just incredible because the endorphins are released and you just feel amazing. But I really didn't want to go, but I knew that I, if I sat the way I was feeling and I'd sit there on Monday night being miserable or I had the choice to go and do a 45-minute class and come back and be back to Happy Sue and that's what I chose to do. So I know my um, trainer said to me last night it was within those five minutes where I chose to actually get up and go I could have um, stopped going for a couple mm. of months. Mm. He said that's, that's, that's how, how like that decision is so important but it does it changes your mindset totally absolutely and that's how I go for my walks every morning I don't walk fast I just enjoy the scenery and I walk and I clear my head ready for the day ahead so yeah I think it's very important you are electric, may I say, and I feel that electricity, and my <laughs> listeners are feeling it. I un- I'm telling you today, they do feel it, and you just lift the mood of, of anybody, to be honest with you. Oh, that's, thank you. That's great credit to you. But tell me this, can you just sum this up in a couple of maybe things? How has Sue Masterson changed? You know, the Sue Masterson before you kicked the alcohol and you stopped the, oh the rubbish God. eating and the Sue Masterson. Now, I know, look, physically you're different for sure. Mentally we hear. But a couple of things. Are you happier? Oh, my God, yes. Now, happiness comes from within. So, um my personal development started over eight years ago and I've been working on myself since then. I was, I was in... Um, in a bad place. So, uh, do you know what? I, I was at rock bottom mm. and I built myself up from there. And the difference between who I was then 
to who I am now it's just incredible I look at that girl and go I God love her like do you know what I mean but yeah. and I'm like that's me look at the work I've done on myself I'm a totally different person I am so happy I'm happy I love my job I work for a great company who are real supportive and who are absolutely supportive of people's mental health as well which is incredible um, I've got good family I've got really good friends so yeah I'm I'm really happy and I'm happy with me and I'm me all day long and that's all it can be, do you know? No, I'm extremely happy. So happy, positive outlook and like life full of energy. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> goes without saying, doesn't it? Yeah. So many, many plus points to the new Sue. Yeah, oh absolutely. Oh my sh- like I I was uh, like I was, what's that saying like before I was a shadow of my former self beforehand but now look at like everything I believe everything that we go through and if we go through crap in life that makes us stronger mm. and more resilient as well so stuff that's happened to me like I just it's just been a stepping stone to go right I'm going to succeed and I'm going to show everybody and this is who I am yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> I think there's another career for you as well I, I, I should warn this company you work for just watch this space because <laughs> I've those TikToks are anything to go by <laughs> <laughs> I love my TikToks. <laughs> it's good. Some people actually thought that one of me at the piano was me singing. Well, our Louise thought it was <laughs> you that was singing at that piano because we were looking at it this morning and I said, hey, have a look at this young one. And she said, isn't she a brilliant singer? And I said, well, I'll tell you, you convinced our Louise that you... Yeah. You were singing that song. Anyway, keep them going because they're really uplifting as well. Well, look at... Thank you. I'm I'm going to leave you today. We will be back to you, but I'm leaving you with a song, okay? I'm leaving you with a song because I want to dedicate this particular song to you, Sue Masterson. Oh, brilliant. And it is, yes, just for you, Niles Barkley and Crazy, the song you were singing. (laughs) Talk to you soon. God bless. See you later. Bye. 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 When I lost my mind, there was something so pleasant about that place. Even your emotions have an echo in so much space. And when you're out there without care, yeah, I was out of. Louise, did I tell you about Maggie Maguire's car and the NCT? <laughs> did I tell you about our car? Did I? Did, no. you, did you hear this? How did you see it? Well, will I tell you, I arrived for work, this, you know, we're coming in, not as early as we used to, working at home, then in here just before the show. And there's poor Maggie out in the car park, cleaning the alloys on our car. Now, I thought there was something wrong. She was cleaning the And I said, what are you doing, Maggie? She says, Chris Murray, Chris Murray told her that she needed to clean the wheels <laughs> and have them sparkling going to the NCT. And do you know what happened? She went up and your man looked at the wheels and says, Jesus, they're the cleanest wheels I ever saw in my <laughs> life brilliant. coming in for an NCT. And the penny dropped that that blackguard Chris Mur- Murray had sold her a pup. It's not anyway, even April the 1st. Anyway, congratulations, Maggie. It passed with flying colour. So we meant to say <laughs> that Chris's advice and the wheels saw her over the line. What the failure on dirty wheels? I don't think I so. don't think so. That Murray they? fella, that Murray oh. fella, oh, 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 I'll tell you, you just want to be wary of him and yaky of him. So you but would. when you do go into an NCT, you would do anything. 
Oh well, would you, Louise? Would you do anything, Louise? And you'd even scrub the inside of the exhaust pipe (laughs) (laughs) if you thought it passed. Well, I can just see in the morning Maggie with Chris (laughs) in a headlock. You know, like you know what I mean, and her squeezing as tight as possible. Maggie's here beside me. I think she'll have you in a headlock. I think she's going to run into the studio here now, knock me off the chair. She wasn't. She'll kill me. She'll kill. But you know me. When you tell me it's in the public domain, you tell you you, anything. You've signed an agreement for me to say it here on the airway. It's just as simple as that. <laughs> Nothing's out, out of bounds or off season. Sorry, Maggie. She's the best hour, Maggie McGuire. And you know what? Do you know the other thing? Would there be no Christmas in LMFM without Maggie McGuire? No, she's not. Oh, there'd be no Christmas party, and she's away to arrange the whole thing now. And uh, we love her for it, and we love her for everything that she does here. We really, really do. Anyway, Maggie well rocks. done on uh, your car passing the test. It's great. Anyway, I have a message here in from Sean C, whoever that is saying to me Jerry I'm not opposed to nuclear energy we were talking about it top of the show to Dennis Duff he says your first guest was uh, really interesting we need to have a conversation says Sean about this uh, and it's merits and downsides as well thanks indeed uh, for that Um, the lottery Louise Louise they're waiting for me I hope they are I hope they are waiting for you Saturday night yeah, because I'm claiming if you win it, <laughs> I'm claiming compensation. <laughs> and if and if I win it, you can claim I'll, you can claim compensation. I'll just me buy you a new pair of glasses. No, look, look, let's make a pact here. If your numbers come up, I look after you. Promise you, okay? Promise. And will you do the same for me? No. <laughs> There you are. I thought it was going to bring you for a McDonald's. Ah, uh, I can't have it after yesterday. <laughs> Did you hear that? I can't have it. I saw Paul, Paul Keelan, my doctor, my cardiologist, me LCD, you know, LDL, LDL cholesterol is up, up one whole point in the last twelve months. Now Louise, not point That's one great, of a point. It? That's a big jump, one up. So I'm on a new drug now. Uh, different one so I am to try and control this so it's McDonald's anyway. McDonald's <laughs> and, chi- and chips and I went and got the drug today and I nearly actually had a heart attack when I got the drugs why 70 euro for the drugs for the month oh for wow. the one box cheapers there must be bullets there must be magic bullets I hope they are anyway. well I'm going to take them I believe in them I believe in the vaccine I believe in the pills I believe in all that stuff it's keeping me going strong anyway there you are I'm up one so I'm going to have to I'll turn down the McDonald's if that's alright that's okay is that okay no problem is that okay I'll bring you the wrapper and some napkins <laughs> <laughs> but a KFC <laughs> is there a Slim and World version or is it just fakeaways like can you go into McDonald's and there's like Oh, they've healthy it's just stuff lettuce. Now. Yeah, listen, I have that in the garden. I don't need to go to McDonald's to eat. I have loads of that on my doorstep. But uh, yeah, so I have to I have to watch the eating a little bit more for the next year. Paul thinks it's a bit hereditary. Do you know what I mean? And that as well. But anyway, I'm always grateful to him. Dr. Paul Keelan, he's just a marvellous man. So what can um, you cut out to get those? I suppose I'll have to cut back out. on the high fat stuff and sausages and chips and McDonald's and... <laughs> Thing, things like that tato crisps and stuff like that. I just have to watch it and manage it a bit more but I have to say Adele I want to say uh, big thanks to Adele Tobin who looks after me there in the matter private and uh, Dr Paul Keelan who's a wonderful man and I, I know he's just adored by so many people who he saved so many lives he's enabled people to you know live uh, with uh, cardiac disease as well and he's just the best he really is the best and I thank him for all the care he gives to me always checked. yes always and that is the thing that is the thing people put things in the long finger you know me Miriam laughs at me I don't think she's ever been to a doctor (laughs) I have a file (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I have a cabinet to myself in the doctors. <laughs> she has nothing fair juice to it. Anyway, it's yin and yang with us, of course, all the way. Let me mention just before we go to the break as well, the bingo. Talk about the lottery. Look at our bingo, Louise. Big winners there too. Elizabeth Callahan from Rees Town and RD. Bernadette Duffy, Cartown and Kells, 400 each. 800 for Peter Ward from Jermaine. The jackpot, 6,600 euro. Get your books, lmfm.ie. Others are rakish shops across the uh, northeast as well. And that jackpot going up, up, up all the time. We're heading to news, weather and sport at three. After that, we're going to try and help the local Special Olympics team in Drogheda. And we'll hear more on words and song from my artist of the week, Mary Black. If you were with us earlier on in the show, I was speaking to Noelle Rock about her beautiful new book, A Robin's Tale, which deals with bereavement and death and loss. And, you know, your children and talking to your children about it. It's it, it's just a wonderful book. It really is. Um, Christy's been on to me from the Knoll to say, Jerry, I had a dog called Chip and any time I'd be cutting the grass, he would run around after me. He passed away in February. I'm sorry to hear that. But next time I was cutting the grass, I just had emptied the grass box. And when I turned around, there was the robin sitting on the frame of the moor. And he did for the next few weeks, every time I cut the grass. He was always there. So I think whether we're humans or animals... They're always around us, says Christy. I love the message, Christy. Thanks indeed. And the robin, special little bird, isn't it? Yes, St. Anthony, more people telling me that they agree with Louise. St. Anthony's the man. He's the man to find me glasses for me. Anto, come on, I said it to you earlier on. Let's be having you and uh, see if I can pick them up this very evening around the house somewhere. Um, Anyway, let me continue my story of my artist of the week and my artist of the week this week is Irish she's brilliant and my artist of the week all this month will be Irish to coincide with Irish Music Month it's Mary Black again today we're talking about and following on from the success of No Frontiers and the lead track Columbus she embarked on a highly successful tour of the United States which was followed by another brilliant album called Babes in the Wood it was voted one of the top albums in the UK listen to this in 1991 following which she sold out her first ever concert at the Royal Albert Hall in London in 1992 the holy ground came next and it too reached number one in Ireland and in 1993 she joined her sister Frances Dolores Keane Eleanor McAvoy Maura O'Connell and Sharon Shannon to record the seminal album A Woman's Heart Oh yes, and indeed there was a second version of it in latter years. She was named Best Female Artist in Ireland in 94 and 96 for the fourth and fifth time. Mary's first live album appeared, it was a while before she did a live one, 2003. And then in 2008 she reflected on 25 years in the business with a compilation album featuring 25 songs. She released more music in the subsequent years, toured and performed extensively solo and with others like Joan Baez, Liam Clancy, Westlife and her own daughter, the brilliant Roisin O. And to boot, she published her autobiography called Down the Crooked Road in 2014. Today, it's back to that album No Frontiers and the title track. If life is a river And your heart is a boat And just like a water baby, baby Born to float And if life is a wild wind That blows way on high And your heart is a million Dying to float 
Simply beautiful. Mary Black, what a voice. Oh, just one of the greatest, isn't she, of all time? And she's my artist of the week this week on Your Late Lunch. Final break of the day, and we're going to try and give a little dig out to uh, the Drogheda Special Olympics Club. They're in a bit of bother with their club rooms, and we're going to hear all about it next. Nice to hear from you, Eileen. A few days after my 17-year-old little cat died, a baby robin appeared beside me each day for two weeks as if to offer sympathy and comfort. It was very pleased, too, to get some crumbs. Nice to hear from you, Eileen, this afternoon, the robin. Very special. Now, Drogheda Special Olympics need your help, and we're going to hear what the situation is now. I'm going to be joined in a moment by Liz. Doyle. She's the volunteer coordinator. But first, their chairman, John McNamee, is with me. Hello, John. Hiya, Jerry. John, what's the trouble? The trouble is we have, um, we're in the, we, we've, we're in the snow hall um, just uh, beside the Lewis Hospital there. We have um, a flat roof on one side of the hall, which is uh, leaking at the moment. We, there's a number of areas where it's leaking and we need to replace the roof. And it's going to cost us approximately, I'd say, around the €23,000 uh, mark to uh, replace wow. or repair. That's a lot of money. It certainly is a lot of money, yes. And flat roofs, you know, and of its time, they've been notorious for for giving difficulty and problems. And just to context it for listeners, it was really a, a fantastic day when you took possession, wasn't it, of Slough Hall? Well, Slough well, Slu Hall, um, the, the, the thing about Slough Hall is we didn't have Slough Hall only for our, um, our past chairman, uh, Sean Callan, who uh, passed away earlier on this year. Sean uh, got, had the brainchild of, or the brainwave, I should say, of uh, posting the Slough Hall. And uh, Sean, being Sean, wouldn't take no for an answer. And he um, made sure that he done a lot of touring and throwing with the defence departments and different departments and he got the Slough Hall for the other Special Olympics. Mm. And, and and this place, I know COVID limited it, yeah, but this is yeah. where they go to train and uh, right. uh, socialise. It's, it's a huge thing, isn't it, for your group? Yeah, it is. It's massive. It's absolutely massive, Jerry. But the problem we've had for the last 18 months was we couldn't go indoors. Yeah, we couldn't yeah. uh, hold our clubs, mm. which meant in, um, we couldn't, we weren't getting any revenue in. And yes. Plus, we have um, it's not just the Special Olympics, um, the local uh, karate club also um, t- 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 take classes there, and we have the connect groups from Money More, yep. and we also had the scouts. Who, right. And they, and none, they, none of those uh, groups could um, be indoors mm. since, since March last year. So, uh, ironically, the outdoors has come indoors now through the roof, and this is what the problem is, yes. and yes. you you can't, it's not going to be uh, solved until the, the roof is fixed. So, you've got uh, the quote for 23,000, so it's about fundraising now, is it? It is. It's all about, it's all about fundraising, Jerry, and um, we're, we're hoping that the town that the town of Johanna would get, get behind us and uh, raise the money for us, you know. Now, uh, we, will, we will be doing a certain amount of it ourselves, but yeah. we're hoping that the, that the Greater Drogheda area will, uh, will get involved. Yeah, because people use it from the Drogheda and Greater Drogheda area. Let's bring in Liz Doyle, the wonderful Liz Doyle, volunteer coordinator. Hello, Liz. 
Hi, how are you? I'm really good. So, uh, money to be raised. How are you going to raise it? Well, we were very fortunate. Uh, Paddy McQuillan and Stackland Power have come along and helped us out. Stackland Power is going to give us bingo um, every Thursday night over in um, the bar- in the Barbican Centre, uh, what you call it. Any money that's raised from that, um, there'll be raffles and things like that, and the money for the next year will go towards that. Um, we have a GoFund page set up. One of our volunteers, Kira Boyle, set up a GoFund page. Um, and we have some other volunteers that's looking at fundraising. Um, some of our families are very being good to us as well, where they're donating money um, to it. And um, one of the other family members is looking at, for Halloween, they're going to do their garden up in Halloween decorations, and they're going to have a bucket outside, and um, any of the funds that's raised will go to the Special Olympics Club. Good on you. And if anybody listening today wants to chip in or contribute, you know, that mightn't be going through those particular streams of fundraising, how do they, you know, get in touch with you to... Uh... Well, the Special Olympics Club meets on a Monday night down in Slewa Hall. Um, there's always volunteers and people down there from half six until half eight every Monday night, and they're more than welcome to drop down to us. Okay, and are you managing even with the leaky blinking roof? Now, it's not so bad. It's been a dry, great old dry summer and autumn, but you couldn't say that the last few days. Are you still able to use part, use the building? We or can what? use, yeah. We have a bit. There's two rooms that we use. So yeah. The Bache room is the one where the leak is um, okay. at the moment. So the big hall area is where we're doing a lot of our other sports. Like, we're, we're very active. Um, we have loads of different, like, uh, football or indoor football and athletics and basketball. Um, and they're using the bigger hall area. Okay. And then we have a junior club and a senior club that meet on a Monday night as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on. We're not 100% back because of, you know, the pressure yes. restrictions. Yeah, like yeah, We're yeah. hoping to get back to the swimming in the next while as well. So, like, we have 74 athletes and we have a lot of volunteers that uh, come along and help out. Yeah, it's a lot of people and those other groups that John yeah, mentioned yeah. as well who are depending on the facility. So Monday, 6.30 to 8.30, you're there. If anyone wants to drop in and give a few euro or uh, tell you about something, they might be able to do themselves to well, raise we, the money. We had men coming along that, you know, were tradesmen that maybe could right. help us out. Right, OK. It was tools or something like that. It doesn't always have to be about the money. Yes, yes. You know, so like if people can give, come and give a trade and help us out, we'd ah, really appreciate that. That's nice to mention that. So it's just not about uh, raising the money and getting someone to do it if you have a skill if you have an aptitude if you're in the roofing game or other trades you'd be most welcome as well to talk uh, to Drogheda Special Olympics on the volunteering front is it a, is it easy to get people to volunteer Liz? Um, what to call it there is like there's the volunteer the loud volunteer bureau going your barrel and yeah. all them would help us out and yes. then Special Olympics Ireland would have a website where people can go on and access volunteers. And it's really by word of mouth, you know, if people know that you're a volunteer and they might say, oh, maybe I'd be able to give an hour mm, or two mm. and come and help out. Um, like, we we are always looking for volunteers. Like, we've set up a Facebook volunteer page and, like, there's great training for people that volunteer. Like, you know, you can specialise in different sports. You yeah. can help out at different levels. Like, you don't have to be at the sports. Like, we need people for taking the money coming in and out. We need people to help out in relation to different safeguarding issues. Like, there's loads of different mm. roles rather than a sports yeah. role. Like so there you are. There's uh, opportunities to volunteer there as well. Well, uh, Liz and John, uh, the main man, the chairman of the group, John, I wish you well. Thank you very much, Jerry. And can I just say, Jerry, um, just to thank yourselves, yourselves and um, 
uh, LNFM for giving us the opportunity to uh, appeal on your programme. Not at all. You're very welcome. That's uh, the essence of what we do here. We're at the heart of the community and we're always here to help wonderful people like yourselves right across the northeast in Loud and Mead. But yeah. wish you both well. Thank you for joining me. That's Thank you very much. Take Harry. care of yourself. Bye bye. That's John McNamee, yeah. Chairman, and Liz Doyle, Volunteer Coordinator with Drogheda Special Olympics. They're great people. 74 athletes and participants involved there, and lots of others as well. If you can help, please do give them a dig out. That's a lot on late lunch today. Coming up tomorrow on the show, we're talking to Frugal Mama. What's that about? Well, you just have to join us to find out. Darren uh, Carney is with us as well. He'll tell you that COVID saved his life. And David Sheehan, of course, will run the rule over the weekend in sport. Your riddle and more besides coming up Friday. Have a lovely Thursday. Finish the week off in style with us here from 1.30 tomorrow. Stay with us on LMFM Radio. Paul McKenna is on his way with The Drive. See you Friday. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drada Dundalkin Cavan. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. With over 300 cars to choose from, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars in Drada Dundalkin Cavan. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie for more details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.